0: You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation, while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now, here's your host, Dirk Novell. Hi, everybody. This is Dirk Novell. Welcome to my podcast. I'm very excited uh, to have Lori Klein on today. Lori, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Dirk.
0: You're welcome. Uh, Lori and I met a, a few years ago, um, a mutual client, and I was really impressed with Lori. I remember hearing about you from our mutual client and he had talked about you for a long time. So when I finally met you, I was super excited and I know you're very good at what you do. Uh, Lori, I'm gonna let her explain exactly what it is she does, but she's in the financial world. And um, you know, it's it's actually one of those careers that if I could start over, I might consider as well. It feels like a good fit for me. But Lori, why don't you talk a little bit about what it is you do? And we'll just kind of take it from there.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Dirk. I'd be happy to talk about what I do. And I also wanted to say that mutual clients said great things about you. So I'm f- glad we finally got connected. Yeah. Um, so I am a financial advisor, wealth manager. My business is Kaizen Financial Advisors, LLC. And I started that business uh, 12 years ago, but I've been in the industry for 22 years. So I started as a financial advisor, which at the time meant working with individuals and businesses on everything from their investments to insurance planning, retirement planning, college planning. So all things financial. Um, And over time, that's that's grown where I worked for somebody else uh, for a big brokerage house. And then I transitioned and worked what they call in the independent world for a smaller firm. And then I started my own firm. And I could talk a little bit about that too. Like the differences would be a big brokerage house. You'd work for a Morgan Stanley or a Goldman Sachs a large company, and maybe, um, you know, you'd be tasked with just one specific goal of being a salesperson or a, an analyst for stocks or a uh, portfolio manager versus a wealth manager is more interested kind of in that holistic planning, thinking that there's everything from taxes to behavioral finance. um in, in addition to the investments and retirement planning.
0: Yeah, I think that's really, let's go there in a little bit. I'd, I'd like yeah. to go deep on the options, like, you know, the different skill sets, different areas of your business that might be more attractive to someone. Um, but a little bit more about you. So I know that you went to University of Santa Barbara. Yeah. And, and you played soccer. Correct. And then uh, when you came out, did you like, in college, did you have a clear vision of, what you, you know, we talked a little earlier, you you talked about uh, some reservations. So, you know, talking and you got a little nervous, shy sometimes. So were you thinking that you would be in a, a career that didn't involve interactions or did you have any idea when you came out of Santa Barbara, what you wanted to do?
1: Yeah. So my interest in finance and accounting started in high school. I took an accounting class and I loved it. And my friends thought I was crazy, right? So I'd get together with a girlfriend of mine, and um, I was also on yearbook or annual staff, and I'd have to do these creative writing pieces. So she would do my creative writing, and I would do her accounting homework, and we thought that was perfect, a perfect relationship. And then in college, I would I majored in uh, economics with uh, an emphasis in accounting. I don't know why. I just really dug it. Um, and then when I got out of school and I graduated, I um, started at an accounting firm. So it wasn't financial planning. I didn't even know what financial planning was at the time. Um, but I was interested in in finance, economics, numbers, money.
0: I love it. I love the dual homework. Uh, that's a creative way of knocking, knocking <laughs> yeah. the homework out. Um, so that's interesting because... Like this is kind of part of the podcast is trying to get young adults and and people to recognize like naturally what lights them up, you know, maybe what excites them. So kind of growing up, what was it about numbers that did it for you?
1: I'm not sure. You know, I just think I have that aptitude and interest there. Um, I have to say I'm not the most creative person in the world. So numbers made sense to me. Um, it's also kind of interesting. So my mom is a single mom, and she got into investing at a time when women just didn't have wealth. And so she talked to me about that. In fact, when she she shared this story with me recently, after she was divorced from my dad, she went to a financial advisor and he asked her, um, is it okay that you're here uh, without your husband? And so we've just come a long way. And I just thought to myself, wow, wouldn't that be cool if, you know, a woman in finance, which at the time wasn't as common as it is now.
0: So you you did accounting. Was that just doing tax returns for people or companies or?
1: What's corporate finance. So Mm -hmm. I worked at an accounting firm and then I got hired away by a manufacturing company. And so I was their comptroller and operations manager. And I did that for uh, eight or nine years. I really enjoyed it. But there were some limitations where it was I didn't love manufacturing like that industry. And so then it was me really moving into uh, accounting at a tech firm, potentially. But I had gone to San Francisco and I'd hooked up with a sorority sister and she had just started in the business. And she said, Laura, you'd be really great at this financial planning Um, because I was a soccer player, as you mentioned, but I also coached soccer. And she said, yeah, it would combine your your leadership skills, your coaching skills, along with your finance and your accounting skills. So she told me about the things she was doing. And I said, that sounds really interesting. So that kind of was my starting point of doing some additional due diligence around the career to see if that might be a good fit for me.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you chose it because you're very good at what you do. So, so getting into, it, we had this discussion a little earlier today, you know, you worked really hard i mean it's not you know if people know people in this industry you know it's not an overnight success kind of thing so maybe we could talk a little bit about like what went in because what i'm really trying to do is 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 educate and give people a realistic idea of what they're going to get themselves into so you know nothing sure. good comes easy but this kind of career it takes a while and so maybe you can elaborate a little bit on what exactly you had to do early on in terms of your time to get to where you're at now.
1: Sure. And I'll put a little caveat that the industry has changed. And so entering into the profession, there's, I would say, a gentler entry into the professional the profession than when I started. So when I started, um you had to do take all of your testing uh which was a series 7 and a series 66 and your insurance eight, uh license and if you failed any of those you'd be kicked out so you could not fail you could not take the test again so that was kind of the first barrier to entry so we probably lost half of our class I'll call them in the in the testing and then for me personally, on the first day of my job, actually the day that I passed my last test, my husband got diagnosed with cancer. <laughs> and so we were in our thirties. So this was over uh, new Year's. So, you know, kind of going through that shock, like how could he get cancer so young? So when I started in the career, I went to my manager and I said, just so you know, my husband uh, was diagnosed with cancer and they pretty much said, we don't care. You know, (laughs) these are sorry to hear that. But here are the numbers you have to meet in terms of sales goals. Um, So it was it was kind of a harsh beginning. Um, And at the time, you really did have to go out and solicit friends and families to become clients because you had to sell right away, meaning that you had to bring on clients or have people buy life insurance from you. And when you're young, that's really difficult to do because they're like, what do you know about wealth if you don't have any? Um, Now, the profession has changed quite a bit where people can... Uh, enter into the profession. And for instance, I have two what I call client service administrators, um, and they are, are, I'm their mentor essentially. And so they're helping with the client relationship, but they're not responsible for bringing on new business. I mean, it's great if they do, but that's not one of their job responsibilities. And I call it the karate kid, you know, the scene in the karate kid where he's just washing cars and he's like, when am I going to learn karate? Wax uh, on, wax off. On Wax off, um, uh, that's what they're doing. They're learning paperwork. They're learning how to communicate with the clients effectively. They're learning, you know, how to send emails and make it clear so the client can take action. So um so it has changed. So that shouldn't be a discouragement to anyone because there are easier ways to um, plug in under some very experienced advisors. Sorry about that. Oh,
0: no worries. Um Yeah. So there's lots of questions. You're you're saying some stuff that I've got like six things I want to bring up, but like, so the idea of not passing and you're out, like if someone's interested in going down this road, can they get tested prior to become, or do they get employed and then that employer sponsors them or can they, okay. Yeah.
1: Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off.
0: Oh no. Yeah. Tell me about that because I'm thinking if I'm 25 and I'm like, oh my God, Will I get fired if I don't pass? Like how do people get licensed and and is it a get licensed and then get employed?
1: Yeah, I think the best way to start is really to work under somebody who's experienced or a group of advisors that are experienced, and then you don't need any licenses. And then you can decide if like my CSAs, my client service administrators, uh, one of them is currently studying for her certified financial planner, CFP designation. So in order to get that CFP, you not only have to pass the testing, so there's seven different courses that you have to take, and then you have to pass the final exam, but you also have to have three years of client-facing experience. So in my opinion, um, if I were giving advice to a young person, I would say enter the field with a mentor or mentors, And then see if you like it. And then three to five years down the road, then start to take your your licenses, which most people in my field, if they're a wealth manager, are are getting that CFP, Certified Financial Planner designation. If you like more of the analyst roles, like you want to study stocks and bonds, then that would be a CFA, which is a Chartered Financial Analyst. Um, designation. So either one of those, just depending on what part of the business, um, or both. So yeah. Some people-
0: no, that's interesting. So in my world, you can't have discussions with people unless you're like, like about money and rates and so forth. So it, in in your in your industry, can someone come in and have interactions with clients about all the vocabulary, all the verbiage, and not be licensed, or are they just real careful about what they talk about?
1: Very careful with what they talk about. And it's kind of like a nurse doctor relationship, right? Like I have to give the advice, but a lot of what we do is administrative. How do you increase your 401k contributions? They could have that conversation with the client. So they're doing a lot of the administrative. Type of advice, which there's quite a bit of, you know, how to we'll do an introduction email to an estate planning attorney because you need to update your uh, wills and power of attorneys, those types of things. And unfortunately, you know, there's still a lot of paperwork. It's all e-paperwork, but there still is there are still a lot of forms to fill out online.
0: Okay, so I had a podcast a couple of weeks ago with a nurse and it was interesting because when you start as a nurse, you, you spend time in all these different units and areas of the hospital or whatever. And you kind of, you kind of figure out where you align, like what, what feels good. Like in, in your industry, is it the same kind of thing? Like, you know, when you come aboard, maybe you're dealing with 401ks or IRAs or life insurance, or are there lots of different avenues people can go and then they tend to gravitate towards one?
1: I would say the answer to that is yes. Um, If you work for a larger firm or even a smaller firm, you're going to get exposure to all of those areas. Like you mentioned, the life insurance, estate planning, tax planning, Um, retirement plan is an entire. If you just wanted to focus on helping small businesses or businesses with 401k plans, you can focus in that area. You can focus on the client side. You can focus on the operations side, which might be that trading or the financial plan, you know, uh, entering in the data and presenting the financial plan. So, yeah, there is a lot you can do depending what your skill set is. Is and where your interests lie. So that's one of the things that I love about this profession. And what I do and what I love to do is I like to do everything. And I remember I was meeting with this woman who had been in the business a long time. And she asked me that question. She said, What do you like to do? Do you like to do kind of the nuts and bolts of the financial plan and the investment management? Or do you like to work with people? And I said, I like to do it both. You know, I don't just want to focus on one area. And she said, Me too. And that's why, you know, being an advisor would be good. For you, because you have to know about the nuts and bolts, but you're also working with clients.
0: So, as time went on and you kind of went through your career, did you just gravitate? It sounds like you were kind of, you did it all. You didn't like gravitate towards one area. Is that right? That's-
1: yeah. So when I entered the field, we had to do it all ourselves, right? Especially when you don't have a book of business and you don't, you don't get support. So I was doing everything from the uh, you know prospecting clients to the onboarding of clients, my own financial plan, my own applications. And then as you mature or evolve or build your book, then you can have uh, be awarded, or maybe you hire your own support staff, because your my time now is better sent, spent uh, either talking with clients or prospecting or meeting center of influences like you, people that can help my clients uh, achieve their goals.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting. So, kind of like when you look back and maybe this, I don't mean this be a difficult question, but there's a lot of people in my industry. There's a lot of people in your industry. Like, what is it about you? You think that differentiates, I mean, there's a lot of good people in both our industries. What what do you think it is about your company and you and your, your staff that might like, how do you differentiate yourself in this industry? I guess is the question.
1: Sure. I think initially being a woman and being a woman lead advisor or business owner is a differentiator. um, And not that there aren't great men, there are just fewer women. Um, And then I, for a while, or it used to be that wealth management wasn't as well known as just that brokerage house, the investments. And in fact, people still don't really know we exist, even though we're the fastest growing segment of the market. So people were in a relationship or are in a relationship where their advisors just recommending investments and then they come and they meet with Kaizen. We'll talk to them about, hey, you know, you have this leaky bucket, you know and here's how you plug those holes and how you optimize your wealth. It, through tax planning, through maximizing your employer benefits. did you know about this after tax 401k? No, I didn't. Is, is your advisor not talking to you about it? Do you know that you needed an estate plan? And so it's a it was a, a pretty easy um, sell for lack of a better term uh, or recommendation for them to change their relationship. We also get a lot of clients who maybe did it themselves, did their own investment management and financial planning, and then they get to mid-career where they're earning quite a bit more than they were, and their net is larger, and they have a family, and they'd rather spend their time with their family and in their career than trying to keep up with tax law and, you know, the Secure Act 2.0 had 100 different changes in the laws. And so they're like, just please help us out.
0: Yeah. Um, so you've seen, you know, you've been in the business a while. You've seen people, your peers, competitors. What, what would you say? Like, you know, in my industry, we always say I have a coach and the people with the most friends wins. And it might sound a little weird, but you know, you got to know people like it's, you don't have yeah. contacts and you don't have relationships that you've nurtured. You, you're, you're, you have an uphill battle. For someone getting into your industry, like what are the core advantages? Like, you know, obviously probably being intelligent, of course, but also being highly networked. I mean, what are some of the things you would say are pretty important for people um, to be good at what you do?
1: Excellent communication skills, so excellent uh, verbal, but also written because we do so much over email these days. Um, I talk my dad. I have a freshman uh, daughter, so freshman in college at Oregon State University. We talked about that before. And I tell her in your life, relationships are really important. So build those relationships and uh, never burn bridges. Um, So I agree with you 100 percent, but I don't think you need to have a lot of friends, especially if you work under somebody else. Um, If you're new to the business, I talk to my staff about planting seeds, meaning that and then tend to your garden. So tell people I am highly convicted about what I do, but I've been doing it for 22 years and I know Clients see results, right? Like we don't lose clients. And the reason is that we add value. And I've seen my clients be able to send their kids to school and be able to retire earlier than they expected and live a more desirable lifestyle and have more money than they ever thought they'd have um, and be able to pass on wealth to their kids and grandkids. So I'm highly convicted about what I do. So I think that level of confidence, but that comes with experience. But if you don't have experience, then partner with somebody who has experience. And um, and I also love being a good storyteller. I think a story tells, uh, you know, pains a thousand words. And so, again, if you don't have your stories because you're 25 or 27 and a lot of times they do. Like in my case, you know, I was uh, had very uh, meager beginnings. My mom was a single mom. We didn't have a fancy house. I had three pairs of pants. I always had, you know, I played soccer, but I always would go and get my used soccer shoes every year. I didn't get sparkling new shoes. So I knew that from my perspective, I wanted to uh, start investing young and uh, be really, and my mom was, I mean, she's retired now. She retired at 55. She didn't earn a lot of money, but she was just always very. disciplined about savings.
0: I love it. So in your, like, what's important, like, I heard you say, you know, you love the, the impact you make, like changing people's lives, setting them up for the future. What are other things that are like non-negotiable for you in your career? Like, for example, like some, for some it's income, some it's freedom, some it's, you know, not having a boss, uh, running their own show. What is it about your job or your career that like, that you have to have in in, in a career, like that there's no way I could not have this.
1: Yeah, I think all all of the characteristics you just mentioned, I do like work-life balance. I work a lot, but I also love to exercise and that's my way to release stress or meditate. And so I needed to have that flexibility for a short period of my time, I was a consultant. And I traveled quite a bit and it was just really hard on me personally because it ended my flow, my routine, my day. You know, I, I bike on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays I do yoga and Sundays I do Orange Theory. And I was always off my schedule and my eating schedule. So that really was disruptive for me. So in my career, um, I could have the flexibility, I, I have a daughter, and so there was some flexibility around my hours, meaning that as long as I get my work done, it doesn't matter if it's um, at eight at night or six in the morning, you know, you have to be, I'm in the office most of the time, you know, eight to five, but there is some flexibility there. And now with technology, you know, I can be in France hosting Zoom meetings, which is my husband's is a, in the medical profession and he doesn't have that luxury of traveling and being able to work from wherever you are. So uh, for me, I, I love everything. And I talked to you about this a little bit earlier. So Kaizen is continuous improvement. And so I, I love that the fact that I could start my own business in this career as well. Um, So it was everything from the always learning. Continuous improvement is always learning something new, because if you're not growing, you're dying. At least that's the way that I think Uh, the flexibility. And then I did like the idea that I could have some influence over my income, meaning that if I, I always say, if I want to earn more, I just need to talk to 10 people and tell them about what I do.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. Um, So is there anything that caught you off guard? I mean, even if it's not so good, uh, I mean, like, let's say your daughter's thinking about getting into this line of work and, and you might wanna warn her like, hey, this is a great profession, but here are a couple of things you need to be aware of.
1: Yeah, and I think that I would say no, and my daughter doesn't want to be in this line of work. <laughs> She's into science. So uh, I told her she'd have a lot more fun in college if she was a finance major <laughs> instead of being a science and technology major. But um, I would say at the beginning, when I first started in my career, the, the barrier to entry was was high. And so they would hire 20, 25 people and maybe three stuck around after three years, you know, it was like throwing spaghetti on the wall and maybe a few strands stick. But now with the emergence of um, independent firms, it's, it's a way better culture. It's not A sales culture any longer. It's an advisory. So I'm still in sales. It's still my job to bring on new clients, but it's consultative, right? It's, I'm going to tell them about what I do and I'm convicted about what I do and I know it'll impact their life positively. And then they get to make the decision. Um, So it's nice that if you're entering into this position, into this career, that you can enter into a firm that's already established versus. I entered it, you were starting brand new. I mean, you were at a large firm, but it was all about you and doing everything from A to Z.
0: I love that because, (laughs) I mean, you have to have credibility. I mean, when you're talking about managing people's money or their finances, it's like, I don't know how quick I would be to uh, let a 26-year-old do that. I I would like to be loyal to my friends, but then I would want to make sure they're surrounded by credible people who've been there, done that. Um, but no, I, I think that's great just because people that may, may not have the network can certainly find credible companies and people and teams to align with and learn from them. And then, you know, in so time build your own network.
1: Yeah. And that fiduciary portion is really important, meaning that we're doing the best things for our clients. Uh, so I always tell clients and I tell my clients too, that if you're not seeing value, I mean, hopefully we're having a conversation before we get to that point, but um have a conversation with me, you know, or if you think that I made a mistake or there's something you're not clear about, have a conversation because I exist to help you realize your goals. And if I'm not adding value, then you shouldn't be working with me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so that's that's a nice thing to be able to say to people, but that takes a long time to get there in your career. So no. I'm not saying be there at 25. But you can likely work with a firm that is there. And in this area, the Puget Sound, we have a lot of firms like that. So the, think of the broker-dealers as, you know, the Merrill Lynches, the Goldman Sachs. But then we have a whole bunch of independent firms that are more of these what we call registered investment advisors. Um, that you know, they could be large, they could have 25, 50, 100 employees, but the culture is, is a little bit different.
0: So one of the things like I remember in my previous life before real estate financing, I was in technology. <clears throat> I worked for Yahoo and worked for Mark Cuban at broadcast.com. And I remember I would go on vacation and come back maybe 10 days later and I was way behind, like things were going so quickly, technology. I'm like, And I didn't love tech. It's not like I don't like technology. I just wasn't, I read, you know, Sports Illustrated or National Geographic. I wasn't reading Wired or, you know, it wasn't my thing. And I knew that in my heart, this wasn't the right place for me, but like in your industry, is it, all right, I know what I know, or is it always changing? Like, I mean, being on top of it, I mean, how often are things changing? Cause you have to be the mouthpiece to your clients. Like, is it something that you take a week or two off you're behind or,
1: I wake up every morning and I have my coffee and I sit with my cat and I, I read the news and a lot of it is financial news. Um, so there are a lot of changes. Like I mentioned, the Secure Act 2.0 just came out and there were 100 changes in the law. Technology is changing very quickly in our business, which has been very good because it's uh, we've been able to deliver uh, better advice to clients because like the financial plan is in the cloud. It, trading is a lot easier now. Um, giving clients tax advice and a tax report, a summary of their tax return is a lot easier because of technology. So the changes are improving our outputs to our clients, our deliverables to our clients. Um, but I do, you know, and luckily, maybe like your business too, we have a whole great partners, whether it's Vanguard or Schwab um, or a holistic plan that they bring in the very best speakers to keep us up to date on the changes and specifically the changes that impact our clients, the type of people we work with. So lots of changes. That's, I always say they keep, you know, Congress and the IRS keep us in business. Um, It shouldn't be so complex for people to do their taxes or, or figure out their benefits at their employer, but it is. That's just the world we live in. If I were to do it, I would try to simplify it, but that's not the way it's been going.
0: So I ask this question a lot, and I'm curious your take on it, because I'm not on the alarmist spectrum, like where I think it's going. But I I am concerned about AI and eliminating a lot of jobs. Uh, What's your take on AI and your industry? Like, Do you welcome it? Do you think it's, are you fearful of it? What's your take? I don't know if you ever have those conversations or not.
1: For sure. Yeah. So I think, you know, five or 10 years ago when they were talking about AI and robo advising came out and that was going to be the end of the financial advisor. Well, it's not, you know, and it really it's helping our business and it helps people who maybe have lower net worth where they're just looking for, can you invest my 50,000 and can, you know, diversify it in, in a low cost manner. So I look at it as an opportunity to provide more services to our clients because a lot of what I do is that trust, right? Because you'll hear uh, maximize your 401k and people still don't do it. Why don't they do it? Because they don't know. They're not hearing that from a trusted professional. So I don't think the relationship's going to go away. I'm I think that it will continue to improve our deliverables to our clients. A good example of that is um, just since I started my firm. So when I first started my firm 12 years ago, we went from everything being on your desktop to being in the cloud. That was a major improvement. Um, And then the financial plan is in the cloud. Like it used to take me forever to develop a financial plan. And now, you know, that time and energy has been cut down probably half or to a quarter. Um, and now what I'm hoping is things like our anytime we meet with a client, we have a to-do list. And so now through technology, we're actually looking at a brand new uh, CRM, which is a client relationship manager, because we'll spend a lot of time. We're professional naggers, too. You know, friendly reminder, don't forget to contact the estate planner. Don't forget to call Dirk and refinance your mortgage. that's going to be integrated in the CRM and automatically they can put it on their task list on their form. So that's what I'm hoping comes from a lot of this automation is just improvements. And then we can continue to um, improve the advice we're giving.
0: Yeah. I'm just, I was thinking of an example and I hope I don't Tommy boy this and say it the wrong way, but let's just say like AI, you have a prompt and you say, um, If I don't, let's say I move employers and I don't want to roll over my 401k, I'd rather cash it out. Uh, is that a good idea? What, what does that look like? And maybe AI would say, well, there's a 10% penalty and then you'll have to pay income tax on it. Um, but it doesn't give any emotion, like any, to me,
1: it's a good idea still. (laughs) Yeah. So then like down,
0: but you would, I mean, you would bring an emotion to that based on experience and like you referenced You're a storyteller. I mean, you might have some examples of clients that have, you know, why it might not. So to me, it feels like it can never replace because the human element is so crucial.
1: That's what I think. And I do think there'll be some replacement in the industry, just like the robo advisor example, but that relationship isn't going away. And a lot of what I do is the piecing the puzzle together, meaning, okay, does it make sense? Maybe taking the distribution out of your 401k makes sense because you're over 59 and a half and you're in a low income year and you can take it out of your IRA and do a rock conversion, you know? And so maybe AI doesn't know that about you, but I do because I've been your advisor for 15 years. So there's so much advice like that, that people um, maybe have bits and pieces and all my clients are very, uh, successful people. It's just, it requires 24 hours a day, seven days a week to keep up with this stuff.
0: So I'm thinking like, let's just say you're out on the boat with your girlfriends and by the way, it's your birthday today. So happy birthday. I've, I was going to say that in the beginning and I lost track. Your, my son's birthday is today. I told you that uh, big day. Um, but let's just say you're out with your girlfriend celebrating your birthday and you're, is there anything that drives you crazy about your business? Not like you're talking negatively about. I mean, I know you're a very positive person, but is there anything? They're like, ah, this is the one thing or the two things that you need to know about, right? That maybe it's the compliance and all the strictness or the formality that you have. You know, the I don't know. Is there something that comes to mind, or are you pretty hundred <laughs> percent?
1: to give the answer I'm blessed. I love my my what I do, I love my business, but you're right, it's compliance. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not that I don't think there should be laws and rules around what we do, but it's just you know a few bad eggs ruin it for everybody else. And so we have something that's called an ADV, which is uh, a requirement by the uh uh, Security and Exchange Commission that we have to, it's a, it's an outline of our business practices, but they've made it so long that they had to come up with the ADV3, which is a summary of the ADV2. And now, like you were mentioning, the rollover from the 401k, you have to have another form on top of that, that's two pages that explains why we're doing the rollover. So it's just, you know, I, I see fatigue set in. I, I, I apologize to clients. It's not that I don't want to uh, notify you or expose you to, to all the risks of investing but it's just it's too much and um, and I know why the rules are there is because there are bad people out there that have um, taken advantage of, of people but for most of us it's just it's it's yeah it's it's a lot is the way that I'll say it. So I actually this year just updated a lot of my compliance pieces and it's it's a major cost to business owners too.
0: I have a podcast next week with this guy, his name is Ken Perry and he does education for the mortgage industry on compliance. And he's so skilled because he makes it actually exciting. And yeah. this it's so boring this got, like as a lender, you know the compliance, I mean there's so yeah. many things, so many pages, so many disclosures. And I I sometimes wonder if they're going to get it down to like a five-day close, right? Where they're not going to even need somebody like me. I I think they will, to be honest, someday. Um, But I'm always, yeah, the compliance thing is, is, I get it. It's there for a reason, but it's a bit excessive in my industry for sure.
1: Yeah, and then it's the legal jargon. So I went from a very simple agreement with my clients to once I turned it over to an attorney, you know it's six more pages and there's a lot, a lot more legalese which i was like i just want to make it so the clients can understand it because if something goes wrong and it's my fault i'll make the client whole um that's my commitment to my clients and so i don't need a lot of this and he's like yeah you do <laughs> you know so i got overruled but it's it's just too much in my opinion but i know it's there to protect me and protect the client and, um, make it clear, but making it clear, makes it unclear in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so, you know, it's, I've had a lot of guests that run their own show, run their own company. And, you know, it's interesting because you're 25, 24. Typically you're not thinking, you don't have life experience. You don't like, you think you want to do this X, Y, Z, but you don't understand it comes with, ABC or whatever, but like when you run your own show like you do, like I think in the minds of many, it would be like, oh, that's exciting and it, but you know, there's there's also, you're probably the last one to get paid. I mean, there's there's a lot that comes with being the owner of a business where it's not always yeah. so uh, glamorous, right? I mean, I think it. maybe we could talk a little bit about the reality of that.
1: Yeah, so I was fortunate because my career path When I was in the manufacturing company, it was a small company. So I ran the company essentially along with the business owner. So I did get some insight on what that was like. And then I went to work uh, as an RIA and um, in that small firm as well. And then my accounting background, like I always... You know, I understand financial statements and taxes, so that was really helpful. So my background, I think, lended to me being a, a good business owner. But there's plenty of people who are good financial advisors or good at what they do, but they shouldn't be business owners because there's really two things that I do every day. There's Lori, the financial advisor, and then there's Lori, the business owner. And that includes everything from hiring people to HR to compliance um, the financial statements, the renegotiating my lease. Um, so it it is quite a bit. Um, and so if you're not uh, making more money as a business owner, I would suggest being, <laughs> being an employee because you do get to leave uh, at five o'clock and not bring your business home with you. There have definitely been years where I have worked six days a week, seven days a week, um, 10 hours a day um but there's also a lot of flexibility that comes along with that but like you said if the market's down and my revenue's down that my employees get paid first and I'm the one who who will um take the hit financially hopefully you're a good business owner and you have some reserves there um so luckily I haven't been through that but um yeah yeah definitely but I would rather have that you know it's not like Sure, I'd rather have that the responsibility of having the last jump shot to win the game. Me so too. you have to me. be that sort of person. Yeah.
0: Or the last goal kick, right? Yeah. What, yeah. what was your That's position, the by the way?
1: Uh, I was midfield.
0: Mid. Okay, cool. Yeah, my son's playing lacrosse. He's three years in, but I don't know anything about it. So I'm learning all about it. It's kind of fun. Uh, yeah. a, new, a new sport. Okay. He, uh, he asked me how he did. And I said... <laughs> I say, well, your hair look good. I mean, I, I don't know, like, I don't even understand the, the whistles and the rules and, uh, anyway. Um, so. Oh, I, what was my question? I had one lined up. Um, if you, okay. So this is a question that I kind of asked towards the end, but I'm, I'm curious cause I think it's good to get, get to know the guests in a different light. Let's just say you couldn't do this, uh, career. Let's just say for some reason it was off the table financial, management whatever is there a, a dream job out there that you would like love to do i mean I, I maybe not maybe you're doing it but is there something that you think about that like gosh if i could do anything i would love to do this
1: well, i'm doing my dream job but i'd be happy i'm i'm a learner so i think being a biologist <laughs> would be really fun i i have a lot of interest in how the world works and i love animals and i know you love animals too you have a farm so um, maybe being a marine biologist would be great. Um, I wanted to be a soccer coach for a long time. So that would probably be on my list of things that I'd like to try. Um I really, I really love both advising and I love being a business owner. And I think the next step in my career would be to mentor other people um, and try to pass along the things that I've learned along the way in my career. And not, I think there's a a lot of different ways to be successful. Um, But, you know, it's just, you know, probably like you, you're getting to the point where you've seen a lot, you've done a lot. And it would be, I feel like it's my responsibility to the next generation to pass along that, that information.
0: Yeah, no, I love it.
1: (laughs) It, a Teacher at a university with a financial pl- planning. That's the thing I would mention too to young people is there are uh, financial planning degrees in colleges. Central Washington has one. Texas Tech has one. I know. OSU, Oregon State University, has a certificate program. And as an adult, you can go back and get those uh, degrees as well. And I would, if you're interested in the profession, I would definitely go through one of those. I mean, the kids that are coming out, the graduates that are coming out are truly amazing. Um, And they get hired right away. That's the other thing I would say about the profession is we're hiring like crazy everybody in our industry is hiring. So maybe tech professionals have lost a job. If you're listening, you know, maybe you're in the tech world, try, you know, talk to me, reach out to some other advisors. Maybe you have a friend, but we, we need more talented individuals to enter our profession.
0: I love it. You know, you mentioned uh, we have a close family friend and I don't know what his title is, but I think he runs development at OSU, Oregon State University. And my mom used to run development with him at Eastside Catholic, but his name is Mike Goodwin and I'm supposed to talk to him, but I didn't realize OSU has this amazing career, uh, class or curriculum where they, they go deep on, 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 and helping people understand. I mean, that's kind of what I'm trying to do because I think so many people have these voices in their head, of yeah. money or paying off school debt and they don't really think about kind of getting back into the genius zone topic what you know we're born in in this world that makes us a little different or the things that light us up that might be eight hours but it feels like it was 30 minutes i, I just i would love to see and this is my why why i'm doing this is i'd love to see people pay more attention to what makes them unique because i i see people like you and others that and success, I'm not talking about money and wealth, but just being joyful and happy in your and being good at what you do, because like you were talking about like the learning and all of that, getting up, having your coffee, like you can only fake that for so long, like you can only run a race that you don't want to win for so long. So to my audience, like Lori's a great example of this is in her DNA, like she genuinely loves what she does she gets up with a smile on her face like that's success like in my opinion getting up and being happy about your day and excited even on a monday morning so i think it's really important to pay attention to that
1: yeah i think you make so many good points Dirk. and i would tell people is hire a career coach or go through that class you're right osu does have a class find out what your aptitude is, what your interests are. Like you said, you want to be jazzed about what you're doing and the people you're working with. What do you want your day to look like? Because that's a big, you know, I might've loved wealth management, but if I had to travel all the time and I love traveling, but for work, like I said, it just throws me off. I wouldn't have liked that job, right? Like if I were working with uh, professionals, but I had to be in California and New York and, you know, Texas, that would have been really hard for me. Um, so write down what you want your day or your life to look like. Um, and you might not know at 25 or even at 30. And actually, I'm. you should interview my husband because my husband, I may have told you this before, but he started off as, as a business manager of an engineering firm. So he's a partner for 14 years. He's now a nurse practitioner, a gastroenterologist, right? Like he was successful, but he didn't love what he did. And we had just started our family. And so when he was kind of at the point where I can't get up and go to work on Mondays, I'm not jazzed about what I'm doing. And I said, okay, well, we're starting our family. Let's give it a year. So a year into it I had just started made my change he quit and went back to nursing school but he hired a professional to help him sort that out with what he wanted to do and unfortunately in this day and age you know you, there's professions where you have the ability to make a lot of money and there's profession professions where you could be a PhD and not make a lot of money and I'm not If you love what you do, that might not matter, but maybe, you know, just to live your standard of living or live in Kirkland or Seattle, you have to make X number of dollars. You don't want to live in a smaller town or less expensive area because you have friends and family that you don't want to leave. Um, You know, that career consultant will walk you through that. And, And if you think about it, you're at work more than you're at home. And you're going to be doing this for 30 or 40 years, so doesn't it make sense to spend some time figuring out what you want to do? And both my husband and I did that. There's also a book you may have heard of, What Color Is Your Parachute?, but it'll walk you through some of those questions, but I would not hesitate To make the recommendation that people should spend a little money, think about it as what's going to be your return on investment when you're in the career that makes you really excited to wake up in the morning. And I have to tell you, when I go on vacation and I love to travel, I'm always excited to get back to the office. Like, I'm like, this is going to be fun. (laughs) So it's, it's nice to get away and take a break It refreshes and recharges my batteries, but I'm excited to go back to the
0: office. I, uh, by the way, I love to, uh, interview your husband. I, I think that's really, I mean, that's really cool that he, you know, this isn't just for young adults coming out of school, right? This is for people, you know, in their thirties or forties or whatever, that are just like thinking about making a change. But, uh, I love, uh, you, you brought up a really interesting point that I think is important. You're right at 25, 26, you're not really thinking about, like for me, I didn't realize how important freedom was for me. Like I, my dad was a pilot, he was gone a lot. Uh, and I, I thought I wanted to be an ambassador or international. And, and the truth is like, I hate traveling for work. And I, I've never missed a birthday, never, you know, I go to bed, I wake up with my kids, I've coached all their sports, I've never missed a holiday. And like, I'm not saying I'm Superman, I'm just saying that's really important to me Like that's worth $400,000 of income, right? Not to miss out on those memories. And I think those types of things, sometimes you don't know, but I think they deserve um, to think about. So like if you're younger and you're watching this, you know, I think like when you said earlier in in the talk is try to talk about that day you want, like, you know, Wake up. How do you want to spend your time? And by the way, this is one question I I knew I wanted to ask you your day. I I know it can vary depending on the role you're playing. But like if you're working, say, uh, a normal, typical day, would you say that 50 percent of that time is on a Zoom call with clients? 25% 25% is researching the market. Like walk, walk somebody through like what a day might look like. And again, I know it changes as you get more successful, slow yeah. down or whatever, but is there kind of a stereotypical day?
1: Yeah. And I would talk about my week and I am very disciplined about my, what my week looks like. So like I say, I, I wake up in the morning, I have my coffee and I do my, I catch up on what's going on in the news, uh, regular news, as well as financial news. So Mondays and or Thursdays are earmarked towards administrative days. So I get in, I look at, I'll check my emails on Friday, too, just to see what my week, try to clean that all up, emails that I've gotten, so my week is clear going forward. And then on Mondays, I'll come in and finish up anything. And then I meet with my staff, so we'll do the meeting summaries from the week before, and then the meeting prep for my meetings in the current week. So we'll review the financial plans, any paperwork, you know, and I'm just reviewing that. So think of me again as the doctor there. They've prepped everything and I'm just giving it the okay or the sign off. And then I meet with my staff. So that lasts from, let's say, from like 10 to noon, take a lunch break and then do anything I need to do to run the business part. And then I meet individually with my staff just to check check in and then tuesdays wednesdays and fridays i'm our client meetings so i'm either meeting with clients prospects or cois and then thursdays again another administrative day it's also a trading day Um, And when I say administrative, it can be anything from financial planning to, you know, and I have different and I block it out on my calendar. And then we have a Kaizen investment meeting or a Kaizen team meeting. So we in addition to me setting my own personal goals, we set goals as a firm and we review those every other week. So one week is the investment meeting and then the next week is is uh, the Kaizen FA meeting.
0: So are you like, is it, is it allocating like, okay, this is where we're going to place funds, like in this type of uh, investment vehicle? Like, is that when you talk about being a doctor, is that, is that what you're like, yeah, let's do that. Let's put these, I I mean, I don't know if that's a too general of a statement, but like, what exactly are you giving authorization to do to your team?
1: Yeah. So it's, um, it's the advice. So the meeting summary, so we have a meeting summary, a couple pages. So I'll review their recommendations. So I'm training them to, to be the next junior advisor, financial advisor. So that's how the process works or the evolution of if somebody wants to go on the client facing side of the organization. So I'll review uh, their summaries. I'll make some comments. And then for any meeting, so they prep the meeting, meaning they've updated the financial plan. They've written the recommendations, and then I'm just reviewing them. So they might say, uh, increase your contribution to your 401k and take advantage of the after-tax 401k. And I'll say, okay, you know, and we'll talk about how much we're making the recommendation, I'm also teaching about them on the presentation skills to get the clients to take action in their best interest. Um and then I do all of the trading and in investments and then we also we have even though we're a small firm we consult with others. So I have a tech professional, I have a bookkeeper, I have I pay for um research on the investment side. So I'm also working with those are all kind of automated. And additional meetings with outside resources.
0: Yeah, there's a lot that you do. And again, I think it's important to note that if you go work for a big institution just as a producer, you might not have all of this on your plate. So as you listen to Lori, realize that she runs a business as an owner. And so there's a lot that is on her plate that, you know, if it doesn't sound appealing or exciting to you, that doesn't mean you can't be in the same industry. Maybe you just do it a different way.
1: There are people in my business. If you just like to have lunch with people, there's relationship managers and that's their entire job is just to stay connected. So they do breakfast, lunch and dinner. At, you know, they're for hyper ext- extroverted people. But uh yeah, that's they're always really fun people to hang out with because that's yeah. their job it's going to Seahawks games and sporting events and yeah.
0: Oh, and as we're going to wind this down, but what would you say that the hardest part of your job is, is it to get people to take action, like based on your advice, or is it to actually uh, expedite the trust to actually have them become a client? Like what, you know, there's got to be maybe one or two areas that make you different and unique, right? That successful. Uh, what would you say is like maybe one of the hardest things that you have to do?
1: Uh, I think, that the hardest thing in my career, I've just over time established really great processes. So now my work is easier because of the processes, but it was figuring out, figuring out the processes and then the getting clients to saying things in a way that uh, people tell me that I'm really good at taking complex uh, topics and breaking them down so they're understandable. So maybe you have uh, a couple in front of you and one person's really interested in personal finance and the other person isn't. And, but I want them both involved because if you know, so one person predeceases the other. And I love the person who's like, I, I don't understand this. They say that I'm good about keeping their interests. So um, that's what I would, yeah. And getting them to take action.
0: I love it. Anything that before we wrap it up that, uh, that I didn't ask you that you think is important or anything, any other advice? I mean, you've given a lot. So if not, we're good, but is there anything on the tip of your tongue that you want to say?
1: Uh, no no, like I said, if you if any of this sounds interesting, um, re, please feel free to drop me a line. I don't know if you include my email, but there is a lot of opportunity in our industry right now. Uh, most firms are hiring. The other thing that I would say, the reason I'm successful is um, you know, external things like exercise, diet, and then having healthy relationships.
0: Yeah, I mean, balance, because it makes you show up in a better way, right to your clients. I mean, you have to have balance. I assume the burnout would be significant if you didn't have that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Laurie, you've been awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time. I think this is a a lot of really great information. I've worked with people in your industry for a long time, and I'm learning. So uh, I know our audience is going to learn as well. So thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, Derek. This is a great service you're doing uh, for people that are looking to find their passion.
0: I love it. Thank you, Lori.